1: Become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult.
0: Welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander.
1: Welcome, welcome, everybody. I'm Kaya Alexander, host of the Entertainment Business Wisdom podcast, we're recording live in front of my students of the Entertainment Business School today. So happy to be here with you, and uh, beaming in for us from his vacation is writer, producer, actor Richard Cahan. Hi, Richard.
0: Hey, everyone.
1: Hey, yes, we're so glad you're here. I'm,
0: I'm in Santa Barbara. I'm I'm rejuvenating the energy, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm excited. I'm just excited to be here. Chat with everyone. Kaya speaks very, very highly of all of you and the work you guys are doing.
1: I, I am so proud of them. It's really true. They've come off of a week of pitching. And uh we <laughs> we talk a lot about pitching in here because it's such an important sales element and everyone's done a great job practicing and diving in and being brave because you have to be really brave.
0: You do. I mean, as Kaya knows, I'm I'm coming off of the start of a pitch. I say the start because we had one that pushed, but uh, then I'm going into three weeks of pitching after this. So my hat is off to all of you because it literally takes everything. Like you do a one pitch and then you feel exhausted and you're like, what? That was half an hour. Why am I exhausted? You <laughs> put everything into that pitch. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, you guys. It's uh, it's not a small thing.
1: It is not a small thing. All right. Do you, do you think of yourself as more introverted or you're kind of both because ambivert, what do you think?
0: Uh no I I consider myself more introverted. I mean I can like figure that out. I was an actor for for a long time. I'm not anymore. I'm very happy to not be anymore <laughs> to not be on camera. This is this is as on camera as I get these days. Um so I can like navigate that space. Um you know, I mean it just it helps when you're passionate about something. You kind of forget that you're selling yourself and a product, and you just can speak genuinely, and then I uh, and then I get more extroverted. I think.
1: Oh yeah, I do too, for sure. When you're so passionate about something, and it just makes you feel alive, and then you just bring that aliveness into the room, and it does feel more organic.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then I mean, then the good challenge is, which I have on this current uh, pitch that I'm working on, is like, how do you? stay on track and how do you kind of contain that energy which i think is a good problem to have when you're trying to manufacture that or you feel like you're going to be short in a pitch that's challenging um more is always better
1: <laughs> more more is better that's true Brad. yeah like
0: across across it's the easier
1: board to bring it down it's easier to bring it down than to try to yeah. bring it up from nowhere right
0: <laughs> yeah yes yeah. absolutely
1: Oh my goodness. Well, um I'd love for everyone to get to hear a little bit more about you. I was just telling you before we started recording that I like now I'm looking at your bio and I'm learning things about you. You um have been a writer on Outlander I loved your movies, Lucky and also Killing Eleanor. And then now I've discovered you did a web series with William Shatner called The Elevator. Um, I'm and I'm, Oh my God, look at you. You're just, you're doing all this cool stuff. And then of course you're a writer on Beacon 23. So tell us more about you and all your awesome accomplishments.
0: Wow. I don't know if I can live up to that. Um, uh, Does it feel real?
1: Does it feel real?
0: <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. But that's a, that's a good thing. And that's, I'm sure as you guys talk about here, it's like you, you do the thing and you put it out there and then you go to the next thing and you put, you know, and you give it your all. It's not similar to pitching. It's everything gets all of you. And then you move on to the next one. hope there's the next one. And then there's the next one. And then you go, so, uh, so no, it doesn't feel real. Um, although I feel tired. So that's like, I feel like I've been at this for a while. So that's, that's
1: real. <laughs> I feel tired too <laughs> yeah. coming into our holiday weekend. Like, okay, got to summon it, summon it from the depths.
0: Yes. I hiked up to the mission here in Santa Barbara this morning. And that oh, really yes. like just, that filled me up. Oh. Um, so where, where, I mean, I guess we'll start, start from the beginning, at least of, like I said, I, I was an actor for years. Um, and that really got me my mentor, which is something that I know Kai and I, we've talked about a lot. I'm sure you guys talk about a lot. It's it's huge. Uh, I feel really, really fortunate to have had an amazing, still have an amazing mentor, uh, a man named Ira Stephen Bear. Um, and so Ired hired me as an actor um, many, yeah, many yeah, times.
1: He was you as an actor. That's where that began.
0: That is, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. He So I did a TV series called The 4400. Uh, which was just rebooted on the CW, sadly only one season. Um, but we were fortunate we got, did we do four seasons and a miniseries. Um, and so I, that was just, I was in the full throes of my acting career. And um, and Ira was the showrunner on that and he hired me. And like I said, we did four seasons uh, and we just really bonded as humans. Um, and then I shared my deep dark secret that I was also a writer. Um, <laughs> which uh, I'm from Canada originally and when you're working, especially in a smaller market, it just felt like you needed to like pick one lane. It was very hard to even have that lane and then you need to stick with that. So I didn't really talk about the fact that I wanted to produce, the fact that I was always writing on the side until I became close with Ira and and when I moved to LA, know he really took me under his wing and and helped me make this transition um both with him in development he was developing features in tv series um he's mostly known for television and then um and then yeah he 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 you know started on outlander he brought me into that world
1: he's like Um, a nebula who like gives birth to entire you know (laughs) solar systems and (laughs) <laughs> truly amazing human being
0: <laughs> he really is I mean he'll you know he can speak to this more than I you know but he he loves mentoring I think he would probably say more than he loves writing I mean, he's really passionate about writing and producing but he really loves mentoring um he was mentored he also saw that you know which is something we'll talk about mentoring I think is you know I won't call it um a dying art but it is you know I think there's 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 less people that are really truly interested in mentoring um in the traditional sense um and so I think he saw how important that is in this business um, and you know mentored his writing staff over the decades and mentored other writers that, like myself um so yeah he's 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 pretty incredible uh, yeah that, that that's a good like, description and,
1: and you're you have this connection as friends yeah. And he starts to mentor you. So what did you learn and how? what did that what was the shape of that looking like for you in that era? Um,
0: you know, everything from like a general let's, you know, shadow me and like let you see sort of everything. And that really continued on. Um, I mean, even before I, I wrote on Outlander, um, you know, he brought me to Scotland to shadow him on set as we were in production, the early days of production, to really get some of that producing experience.
1: Because he and Ron Moore are connected too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ron really came up under Ira uh, back in the the Star Trek Deep Space Nine days um, and even before that. Um, But I think Deep Space Nine is really where their relationship started. But yeah, Ira ran you know, however many, I don't know, hundreds of episodes of Star Trek he's done now that's that's he's really known for that world um and yeah 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 that's where him and ron first met um so you know and then on the writing side i mean ira's sort of old school in that he still writes by hand with a big legal pad and likes to you know wander around the office and just kind of talk through ideas and um so that's how we started him you know uh legal pad and pen and me on final draft on the computer um and what started as a let me just kind of get down what you're saying turned into a well what do you think about this scene or like let's pitch an idea on this and and it really evolved into um to a dialogue um and so you know really like honing the craft with seeing someone who again has written and produced i don't know probably a thousand hours of television if not more see how he attacks it see how he works through outlines um and to be able to be a small part first of that process yeah, I mean, a mentor in the true sense, really like bringing you with them and then and then teaching you the basics.
1: So great. What did you learn in the outlining process? I have some students who are writers who are you know, realizing, oh, my God, TV is built on outlines. They have to learn how really to outline. Is. So yeah. what, you, what were some of your discoveries there?
0: Uh, I learned that outlines never get easier. Um, they are hard uh, and that's OK. Because they are so important, and like you will, I mean, I'll talk after this about a feature that I outlined um, that you know ended up being a forty-five page outline or something that was just just torture in the truest sense. But in TV, and then with this film, when you then sit down and you have a roadmap for yourself that you can and should totally give yourself freedom to, you know. Do a little detour, let's explore over here. Oh, you know what? I don't know what I was thinking over there, but at least it really isn't staring at a blank page, which is, you know, which is the nightmare that every writer faces. Um, so I think having that roadmap is is huge. Um
1: the guardrails.
0: The guardrails, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've talked about this, that you know, you want to have freedom to play. But you also want to go, I don't want to bump too far over that side. You want to have, you want to have a bit of a safety net for yourself.
1: I think you and I both also have talked about how much we love doing adaptations. And then there is that fantastic puzzle uh of you have the book. And then that is its own blueprint and template that you then, you know, carve out into, oh, and how is this gonna translate to screen and what will that outline look like? And the process of that is just like it's so, it's so fun. It's just so fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that, especially for adaptation. I mean, that's what I've been doing. I mean, well, I guess, yeah, since I landed, so like probably the last 10 years, both in film and TV, it's been adaptations, which is so, I was thinking about this the other day as I'm preparing this pitch, which is another adaptation. Um, I was, you know, I'm a big film guy. I love watching films. And I was always the guy who was like, Ooh, 99% of the time, the book is better maybe even 100 percent of the time i mean it's so like it, it's really really hard and so it's so interesting that that's sort of the um the section of the the writing business that i've fallen into but now being in it i see you know why um and and outlining is a big part of this you really need to go okay why do i love why do i love the project as a whole why do i love the story as a whole what pieces do i love and then it's a great exercise in killing your darlings, which you Us. know is so murder important. Them. Murder. <laughs> just just murder them. Yeah. Um, and set yourself free because you go, okay, I love, you know, and it happened on Outlander a lot. I mean, that's said you know, such a known book series, and there were scenes that we knew, you know, fans love, and that's gotta be in there. And then you go, yeah so good in the book it (laughs) doesn't really fit this you know um, or the characters evolved
1: necessarily even know unless they've read outlander that essentially the first 300 pages of that book happen in like the first 10 minutes of the pilot (laughs) and it needed to it needed to because it was so expository in the book and it was like thank you for putting us straight into the action of what happens with these characters and that i think is an adaptation at its best
0: yeah yeah i think yeah everyone should read that pilot script it's really ron did an incredible so job good. on that watching the pilot it's uh it's really but yeah as you say it's yes. just it is a real lesson in adaptation for sure
1: there it sure is it's pretty flawless pilot script as they come
0: Yep. yeah yeah it is yeah yeah it was really great to see that one come together and like you say you go okay well wait a second this is all great and we need to know when we need to obviously that's a character that goes on a, on a pretty crazy journey and for us to follow that character we really need to love and empathize and understand all of that. Absolutely. But it really did work to condense that. And we knew who she was and and then we follow her on this journey. So, yeah, that was definitely some darlings killed from the book for sure.
1: So take us there. Ira is like, hey, come to Scotland with me. And what unfolds for you as you get involved with Outlander?
0: Yeah, so Ira, I mean, Ira was on the show. He brought me in uh, as an assistant writer, a writer's assistant. Um, And so it was a lot of research, especially on that. That was early days. It was really before the show was even um, picked up. Um, So we had a room for a long time um, going through the adaptation process. Um, I think the pilot was written already, I believe, at that point uh, by Ron. But, um, but yeah, I was just working with the writers and really seeing that process. A lot of research, um, you know, as the show went on, they built out a whole team of support staff and, you know, researchers and all that stuff. But uh, early days, it was, it was mostly just me, um, which was great. Because again, it was I could get my hands in there. I love research. Um, I think that's a great tool for a writer to have. Um,
1: that's a great purpose when- to learn so much about Scotland.
0: I I learned so much about Scotland. I learned so much about history. I also researched stuff that I'm sure if anyone's seen the show, I'm sure I'm on a no-fly list somewhere because the stuff that you had to research that show, you know, <laughs> These were these were dark rapey times. It was uh, <laughs> there was some stuff in my Google history.
1: That's a great beginning to some story. These were dark rapey times. Dark rapey times. <laughs>
0: <Oof>. <laughs> yeah, and the show. I mean, the show. You know, both men and women. It was a violent time. The show didn't shy away from that. Um, you know. So, anyways, yeah, there was there was a lot of research. Um, and then and then early days again before I got to write on the show. Um, I I don't know. Was it his first? Uh, sort of tour of duty in terms of covering set the writers would trade off and they would each do you know three month chunks of prep and then um Scotland you know in the UK not dissimilar to Canada where I've worked a bunch uh they do a lot of block shooting so they'll say you know we're going to shoot two sometimes even three episodes one director um so that's what we were doing there and so Ira I went over style. there
1: I, I love that style where television is shot almost more like features uh in that way and yeah, yeah,
0: I think it gives. I mean, especially I saw with the cast, and it's something I always look at, you know, again, starting as an actor, like how has the process working for cast? And I think the block shooting, even though sometimes you're shooting, you know, scenes from multiple episodes on the same day or whatever, that can get a little um, hairy in terms of keeping track of things. But I think it really gave them a working relationship with the director, um, as opposed to especially a network where, you know, a director comes in and they've got, you know, whatever 10, 14 days they shoot an episode and they leave and there's not really a, a rapport but you really saw it felt like a feature yeah someone was there for you know three months including prep. Um, so yeah Ira brought me over there um, which was not part of my you know uh, duties at the time. Um, it was something that he really pushed for and felt was really important um, and I got to you know cover multiple episodes with him on set. You know, learning what those tone meetings are, learning how they work with directors, um, which I had done for a long time as an actor, but really seeing, you know, from prep through through production um as a writer and producer was it was huge. It was absolutely huge.
1: That's so cool. That is so cool. So you go from working on Outlander to numerous other very cool things. Let's talk about some of them. Um, I'm one of your biggest fans. <laughs> I've well, loved the stuff you've you produced on. I've I've loved your writing as well. What are you most proud of?
0: Um I mean, I sort of have, I guess, a a couple different answers to that. On the producing side, I mean, that sort of came about. I was um I I'd done three years work on Outlander. I felt like that was a great foundation. I wrote an episode that I was really, really proud of. I was sort of looking for the next sort of stage in my career. Um and working with writers in TV, seeing that trajectory, uh, I really wanted to get more producing experience because, as the WGA says, okay, cool, now you can move up. Now you're a writer producer. Now you can cover set. Not all writers want to do that. Not all writers, you know, especially with how the landscape in TV is changing right now, and not a lot of writers have the opportunity to come and shadow set like mm-hmm. I did or learn that. So you can suddenly be thrown into a world where you know you are there and like a feature director, um, you suddenly you've got you know a million questions to answer every single day and um, I wanted to have that experience. So that's where I started producing some short films that led to the web series, The Elevator with, with Mr. Shatner um, and started kind of going that road again, really it started to gain more producing experience. Um, and, then, uh, and then a feature came, um, it actually came to Ira and, and myself. Um, this was, it was co-written. This is uh, ended up being the film called Lucky, which was a, a film I'm really, really proud of. It was sadly Harry Dean Stanton's final film, but I'm also really proud to, you know, after 300 movies or whatever he did in his amazing career to, you know, help, you know, tell this final, this final story which was only his second lead as you know as a kind of consummate character actor he was
1: so great in it too
0: yeah like yeah he he really was he really was I'm I'm really proud of that one but that was talking about mentoring that was you know it was co-written by a guy who used to be Ira's assistant long before I was um who kind of brought him this script um and it was written by him uh amazing amazing man named Drago Samanja. And then, um, and then his close friend, who was Harry Dean Sand's longtime assistant, so there's a sort of another, you know, assistant connection there. And they wrote it really as a love letter to Harry. They'd hung out with him and known him for years. And anyway, so they brought this script uh, to Ira. Um, and again, he brought me in on that. And um, I knew Drago through him for years. And um, and we set about the very hard task of getting financing and making the feature go from you know 95 pages to reality um but you know that was really that was that was I was fortunate now having done a few others uh it was a really fortunate experience everyone kind of came together for Harry um again not knowing that you know he sadly passed two weeks before the film premiered but he'd said you know he was 89 at the time he was like I'm I've been working since I don't know 1952 he was like, I'm done. I'm good. I mean, his SAG number is like three or something. It's really I, I saw his SAG card. It's crazy. He was like he's a pioneer. Um, so everyone kind of came together and decided, you know, David Lynch said, yeah, I'll come and do a supporting role for you guys and Ron Livingston. And I mean, um, Yeah, we got Tom Skerritt um, to come and do a cameo It's the first time those two have been, you know, on screen since Alien. So everyone came together for Harry, which made the producing um, process a lot easier, not easy, because we were telling a film about someone who's 90 and it was sort of an existential uh, drama. Um, a small film, and so we really, even with that cast, we really needed to show people from the producing side um, that this was a good investment. We needed to show them a, a road to recoupment um, and a path, um, which which fortunately we were able to follow. And uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of that film. So that's really what took me into the producing side.
1: You did a great job on Killing Eleanor, too. That was when I first encountered you. And, uh, you know, it was really touching to me because I remember in, somewhere I encounter you on Twitter and you're talking about, you know, the importance of showing women over 40 on screen. And then here you have this actress who's maybe 80, as I recall, um, and her character, which, you know, she's in practically every scene of the movie and this beautiful story about dying with dignity. Uh, and it was just so well done and compelling. Everybody should should watch Killing Eleanor. Say a little bit about that process of making that film. Such a great one. Yeah.
0: Thank you. But yeah, the great Jenny O'Hara, who, like Harry, is just one of these character actors okay. who's yeah. been around forever. I will say that Jenny is not 80. Her character was. But if okay. she ever That's hears it, she'll kill her. me yes. if I say Herder. she's younger than 80. She's beautiful. She's amazing. Um but she, you know, again, Jenny is one of those people, if you look her up, you'll just, you'll recognize her from everything. Um, and this was really an opportunity. This this script was written for her. Uh, talk about another mentoring relationship uh, by Annika Marks, who also starred opposite her in the film. And they had done a play together years back. And Annika had this story uh, sort of based on a true experience that she had. Um, and uh, and she wrote this for Jenny, a really a love letter to Jenny, and let Jenny and her amazing career be front and center. Um, and you know, so it was another. It was a, it was a challenging one as well. But people sort of rallied around. Um, which yeah, as you said, this was it was about you know choosing how you go, dying with dignity. It's sort of a little road trip film. Uh, one woman who's getting out of rehab, who's younger and really needs to start her life anew and then an older woman who's been stashed away in a nursing home by her estranged son and breaks out and wants to die on her own terms um and there's a lot of humor in it too because that sounds you know we're if we're talking about addiction we're talking about end of life but we really wanted to uh have a conversation around that topic those it topics really
1: quirky and funny
0: yeah it's dark it's really it's dark humor and um and it yeah, it was a small film. We shot it uh, in and around Chicago. We got a great support team, great, great crew out of Chicago. I love the second project that's taken me to Chicago. Um, but it was a really small film, really ambitious. We shot it in I think eighteen days. Um, and we had I don't know, thirty cast members, you know, probably twice that in terms of locations. It was really ambitious. Um, but the thing is when you don't sleep, You can just get anything (laughs) done. And we didn't sleep and we got the film done.
1: Do you need sleep? Are you one of these people who only needs like four hours of sleep a night?
0: Um, you know, need is such an interesting word. I need, I need more than four hours. I only get four hours. Um, as I get older, I feel like my body's like, nah, yeah, you're good. So I just (laughs) exist on minimal, but, uh, I think I need more than I get.
1: (laughs) Well, um, tell us about what you're most passionate about right now in your creative life, because you're such a uh, renaissance man that you do so many different things. Uh,
0: I, don't know, I mean, I, I don't know how much I can talk about this right now, but there is a book that I am extremely passionate about um, that I just secured the rights and just closed a deal to adapt. Uh, I And that's the pitch that I'm working on right now that we're about to start taking out. We've got an amazing producing partner on that. And... Uh, so yeah it's again it's it's another adaptation it's uh, a book that i've loved for a long time i i can see maybe clearer than anything i've ever done i can see what this will be um you know and that's been a, a big part of my pitch is like as we all work with whether it's putting down on the page or whether it's getting it out there in a pitch it's like no no trust me it's in here (laughs) okay how do i communicate that to you um so that's that's been the last you know few months um and then after the long weekend yeah i get to start getting that out into the world so i'm really really excited um and then again it's early stages but i have another film on the producing side coming together with the exact same team that i did lucky with um so john carroll lynch who's an amazing amazing actor um and he made his directorial debut on Lucky. And uh, I'm so excited to work with him again. And this one's written by Ira, so I'm I'm really excited to be able to produce oh, one of his scripts.
1: That. That's so cool. You, uh, yeah. you know, I teach my students a lot about the wolf pack principle, and I hear it over and over echoed. And everything you're talking about, you have the wolf pack who you've worked with, who you've gotten to know. And Ira has been such a core uh, alpha wolf in that for you. And um, and um and then look at you getting to go and produce on a movie that he's written. Now I love that. Yeah
0: yeah that wolf pack i think that's a great way to think of it it is it's it is it's that group it's it ends up being you know your team um and not just from a hey you're part of my team now you have an opportunity to hire me let's get me a job but even like you know, really the foundation, the basics that like I've got a script and we are very like minded and, you know, I'll I'll throw Iris scripts and he'll give me notes and I trust him and he does the same with me. And so like that wolf pack in terms of um, we have similar but different uh, life experiences, backgrounds, work ethic, whatever it is, we bring something different. So to have those people that you trust. But can also look at a script and look at a story in a way that you just can't you know because you're just not you know i haven't lived your life kaya you haven't lived mine like you will always you know bring something different to the table than i will and so having that group is that's really really important um and it's such an amazing part of writing in television it's why writers rooms are so important it's why you know wga we need to just keep fighting this the mini rooms and then the smaller size rooms and and just rooms going away as a whole it's such an important process um and then to have that when you're writing a film which is normally you know such a a lone wolf thing but to know like no i can call this person i'm bumping up on the scene and you know what i'm good with character they're really great with action you know what this is a big action set piece i need you know just to have those people that you see in a writer's room it's why when it's working well a script just works on all of those levels because all those different backgrounds are brought into breaking an episode and then one writer shepherds it and writes it but everyone else is kind of thrown in their expertise so um yeah the wolf pack important
1: and i i love this about film and tv that it's so collaborative you know cuz i came out of writing novels which You know, you go off into a room for years and you work on a book in a cafe or in your house or whatever. And then by the time you're taking it out, you know, it goes to your agent. My first agent edited my first book. But then by the time it ends up with the editor, you know, you have one editor, this one relationship, and they do a pass and they send you the book back. And then you do the pass. And then, you know, ultimately it's going to publication to an audience. And it's a very quiet, um, solitary process. And um, it's just, you you have to be able to be designed you like need a phd in solitude in order to manage it and i really do Mm -hmm. love that about you know film and tv that it's so collaborative that a script is someone anyone can read i was telling the students this week that like one of my early readers is always my mom she doesn't know really much about film and TV, but she holds that um, audience perspective. Like she can read a script and then be like, Oh, this is great. Oh, but I didn't understand this part. And I'm like, Oh my God, mom, you're a genius, you know, because <laughs> like
0: and moms are know. brutally honest. Yeah. No. <laughs> you need that.
1: And it's so helpful. It's just so helpful.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I can't it, be outside of like the romantic, you know, Kerouac notion of writing a novel. I don't, <laughs> That's just, yeah, that's a whole other part of the brain that, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe one day, maybe I one day. I but
1: poetry so much, you know, and I, I love yeah. reading great novels. I don't know um, if you read All the Light We Cannot See, or if you've read any Anthony Dorr, All the Light We Cannot so, See no. is going to be adapted by Netflix, and he's, you know, one of the greatest living novelists, His his choices, word choices, his sentence structure, they're just even if you just read a paragraph, you are transported into writer ecstasy. I don't know what else to call it. It's just so phenomenal. Um, he's just so capable. And I have always loved that type of literature and aspired to that, and fallen in love with, you know, when a sentence just makes you go, <gasps> Oh that's, that's so beautiful. Um and yeah. I love it in screenwriting too. I love it when I'm, you know, transported into this world and then the writing is also beautiful that always, you know, when I can feel the writer's voice as a container for the story is always a beautiful thing too.
0: I I could not agree more. I'm so glad that you mentioned that cuz I think that there is um especially I'm, I'm sure most people are on Twitter and you know there's a lot of always a lot of there's great great writing advice. Um, there also seems to be kind of this sort of uh, a lot of talking about rules, um, and rules are important and there are rules when you're writing, but like, I think a lot of people talk about, you know, a script as a blueprint and that becomes more and more true as you get into production and you're stripping things away and page count really matters and, um, all of that. But I, I do think that, um, we can get, uh, sort of trapped or written uh or put into a corner in terms of too many rules and not allowing for some of that writing that really you know speaks to you and 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 puts you in this headspace where you can visualize exactly what you know what was in the writer's mind and you know of of course we can go too far in that direction and then it becomes you know there's just too much um excited prose let's call it within a script and you know so absolutely rules are good but I, i do think you know, we can strip away too much of that. And then, like you said, the, the unique voice of the writer doesn't come in. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's some great, great examples of scripts. Um, I always talk about, I'm sure, Kaya, you and I have talked about this at some point, but um, Homecoming, season one, the pilot, um, which was the uh, Amazon show with Julia Roberts, which, you know, was was a podcast, so it was the writers themselves ad- adapted it. It was an adaptation, but I think that's a great one for people to read it is so sparse in its action lines um but sparse is even not the right word because that feels there's there's sort of a negative connotation to that it is so it's just perfect it's but that's simple anyway i
1: mean spare is yeah, beautiful yeah. You, to take it down to the bones uh, in, in an eloquent way is beautiful i haven't read the pilot but i'll definitely tee it up after you've yeah, it. yeah
0: it's yeah please do it's online it's everyone should read it it's again it's a a half hour you know single cam it's uh it's such a great lesson it really changed the way that i i wrote a couple scripts after that that i was really proud of really after reading that um it's just so specific especially in its action lines there is really no fat in that script um yeah yeah i recommend it that's
1: exciting i love that thank you um let's talk writing let's talk writer and writing tips what tips do you have for writers i have so many in the school always and then of course who listen to the podcast aspiring writers um well, what do you suggest
0: um you know, wow. Where to? I mean, there's so many. Where to start? I mean, again, I guess I I, I was just going on the pushing back against the rules. So I guess I'm on that train. Let's go on that train and trying to push back against some of the rules. I there guess I'm like,
1: Rule Baker train. Okay, I'm on. I don't know.
0: It's a long weekend. I'm I'm a contrarian. I don't know. Um, I think you know there is this. Um, Writers need to write every single day. And if you're not writing all the time, you're not a writer. And that's crap. It really is. Um, writers need to live. You need to have something to write about. Um, I, again, because I transitioned from acting, um, I felt like I was somehow behind. And I, especially when I went back and I started from the beginning, I was working with people that were a lot younger than me. And I felt like, oh, I missed this opportunity. and. And then i realized i had a lot more to write about um not talking about comparing myself to other people but in just in terms of what i was bringing to the table i had a lot more to write about uh, i traveled i you know uh starting a family i you know I, I had a lot more to bring to to those characters so i think um i think that that's really really important and i think that we can feel um like we somehow aren't Doing right by the process if we're not, you know, writing every single day. I also think that, you know, not that we can only write when we're inspired to write, especially when we're on deadlines. I think that that's important to be able to get, you know, to work that muscle and go, oof, I don't feel like it today, but let me just sit down and write something. That's absolutely, that's important. Um, But I think anything that helps you want to sit down and stare at that page where you can go, okay. I feel inspired to write, um, which a, a trick that I use. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not groundbreaking, but I think it's important um, is that whatever I'm working on the day before or a couple of days before, because maybe I didn't write the day before, um, I leave myself in a place where I go, wow, you know what? I I'm excited about the scene. I know what's going to come next. Um, maybe I'll even stop halfway through a scene. I will make little notes to myself so that I, you know, I leave some breadcrumbs. But like, I know that I'm excited about this scene. I see my way through it, whether it's something that was working in the outline or it's just a fresh idea, whatever it is, I'll jot some notes down to myself, but then I know when I come back to that script, it's not, God, where do I, where where do I, it's like, okay, yes, right, I was excited. And then you kind of carry that energy into the the next scene that maybe isn't, uh, you know, as fresh in your mind or you maybe you're not as excited about um so i think that's i'm gonna try that yeah it's really it's 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 been huge yeah um i also something that i do um is i write in order i know that that's something that not all writers do um i wish sometimes that i had that brain where i could just sort of jump all around and i think that you you can uh, more easily when you have a great outline when you know what's coming um but, for me, that's been really, really important, um especially as I'm looking at characters to go, okay, I'm writing an order. This isn't working. I, I don't know. okay, well, wait, what came before? You know, like, let me follow the energy of that character. Let me follow the momentum of that scene. like so, um, so that's been huge for me, again, just in terms of feeling like there is a momentum and there is um, some continuity um, from scene to scene. So,
1: you know, so, yeah, I read my entire first novel, Longhand and Pen. Isn't that insane?
0: That is insane.
1: I did. Filling like five of those, you know, blank journals uh, over the course of writing. Because I was so afraid that I wouldn't finish my first book. And I just decided that I was going to write myself into a corner where anytime I had to. So I couldn't go back. So I, wherever I got stuck, I had mm-hmm. to just dream my way out of that circumstance for those characters and i was certainly never bored because in the moment coming up with you know the whole new solutions that weren't there yesterday was it was definitely a, a mental uh, a, a mental gymnastics you know so to speak and it made for really unpredictable writing which i think kept me going because it was just so fun i mean i had no outline in that book aside from the history of it but uh it's not something i would do again
0: <laughs> but, for yeah, the- but i would imagine like There's something you know, writing, and again, I I would imagine this is probably why it's part of Irish process still. But like writing by hand, um, there's just there's it's visceral. You're involved. It's not simply you know. I love vinyl. You put a record on. You got to turn that record. You got to take the needle off. There's just you're you're actively involved in the music. You're actively. So I, I have a problem where I collect typewriters. Uh, it's become a problem, um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's a problem. I'm cut off. No more typewriters, but I will sometimes just sit down and like, it's not, you know, it's not anything that I'm going to be turning in, but I'll just like write a page on a typewriter. There's just something again, whether it's the romantic Kerouac, you know, version in my mind, I don't know, but just something where you go, okay. It's also kind of silly, you know, it's not so serious. I don't know. There's just something that sort of frees you up. So I think anything like that, that you can do that, um, makes it fun because it's not always fun. It's not always going to be fun, but, uh, but finding fun is good.
1: Oh, I love that so much. And as you were um, speaking, I was about, especially writers, you know, needing to live life. I was just thinking how, you know, of all the arts really, there are no, prodigy writers you know we have prodigy singers and painters and you know you can come into that so early and so young but it seems like for writers we really start to hit our stride in our 40s and beyond Mm. there are so many writers for whom like their first book came out when they were in their late 40s or 50s and they have you know like in an alchemical way digested enough of life and what they've lived and you know flaws and mistakes and insanity and all that we've been through and then it's like now i have something to to say and draw from Uh, it feels just so important um and, and certainly of course you know writing there's nothing wrong with writing young and i i was i've been writing my whole life but i do know that now I is the era where I've really come into, oh, okay, and everything up until now is sharpening the blade. Mm.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I hear that. I mean, I think, you know, it absolutely is a craft and there are, it's funny, as I was pushing against rules, there are rules in terms of formatting and all of those things, or just even how to attack a story. Um, and I think those things, yeah, absolutely. It's great. But that is separate from the the self and the life experience that you can bring to the table. I mean, I think those things can absolutely be taught and you can figure out final draft. You can figure out, you can watch, you know, great films and break those down and go, okay. You know, that doesn't feel traditional, but yes, there's absolutely a traditional three act structure. There's all of those things, you know, within the set of rules, but then how do you um, just, how do you bring different colors to paint with um, within that and that, that, that comes from life, that comes from talking to other humans, that comes from really, you know, living through relationships, all of that stuff. Um, As uh, cliche as it sounds, I mean, it's true because we just, we want to write the best versions of humans and the worst version of humans that we can.
1: (laughs) Definitely.
0: Absolutely. Those are the fun ones.
1: (laughs) They sure are. Um, Okay. So let's imagine for a moment that I know you probably may not be there yet, but at some point you will be there where you're ready to pass the torch and look for mentees. What would, who would you be looking for? What kind of qualities would that writer have that you would be saying this person is worth my time to pour everything that I have learned into?
0: Uh, work ethic is, is, is the thing. Cause I think that that, you know, everything else, I think you learn and you get more experience at and you get better at, but like, being the person that was like, I'll be the first person to show up, you know, um, and I'll be the last person to leave because I want to be a sponge because I realize that there is, you know, there's so much to learn here. And that's, I mean, that was my, that was my pitch to Ira when I was like, Hey, take me under your wing. It's like, I'll get coffee. I don't care. And I did, I got a lot of coffee and I was happy to, because I was also just, getting so much knowledge from him and so many other writers that of projects i got brought in because of him so um so yeah i think that's i think work ethic is is huge um someone who genuinely wants to learn um i mean how do you not want to help and teach someone um when 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 you can see the passion you can see the drive and the work ethic
1: I love that so much. Richard, thank you so much for being here with us today.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure.
1: <laughs> I really appreciate you.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Hi, Alexander can be reached on Twitter for your questions or comments at ThisIsKaya. Get entertainment business career training, as well as a free special report, how to pitch anything in one minute at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Thank you.